Good morning. Can you hear me? Great. Um, hello, I'm Sim, and I'm helping us look at our passage this morning. So as Peter mentioned, this is an encounter service. So it is a little bit different. Uh, so if you've not been to Portsmouth Church before, or not been to an encounter service before, bear with us. It's going to be, um, yeah, a little bit different. Hopefully, though, we're going to encounter God together in the passage and have a little bit of fun as we do that. That's the plan. Uh, Just one thing to mention, though, is we will be sort of moving around a bit here, though. So if you'd rather not be in the stream or uh, on YouTube, or you'd rather your child wasn't, it might be worth just uh, sitting a little bit further away um, this week because, yeah, we'll be moving around and stuff like that. Let's pray, shall we, before we get going. Father, thank you so much for this passage in Esther. And we pray that this morning you would be speaking to us. Um, Help us to see what we can learn from this passage. Amen. Great. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm not religious, but I do think something must be out there? Or have you ever heard anyone say maybe, oh, I'm a bit scared of opening an umbrella indoors or shoes on a table? You ever heard anyone Maybe you believe that yourself. Or um, I'm sure you've all seen sportsmen, sportsmen and sportswomen. They have a a whole lot of superstitions, don't they? A whole lot of routines that they do before they go on the field because they believe that those routines will give them good luck and help them in in their competing. Or do you know someone that believes in horoscopes? You know, depending on when you're born, in the period of the calendar, you believe that certain things will happen to you. And we can kind of understand where that's coming from, can't we? Because although we might not necessarily agree with them, it might seem a little bit strange, I can understand that we do want to see, we want to see why things happen. We want there to be a sort of reason. Whether we have faith or not, we find it hard to believe that things are just completely random and without reason. Even people who claim there is no God often believe there is Probably something. Let me ask you a quick question to ponder. You know, if you're completely honest with yourself, do you really think that everything is just completely random without reason? Or do you think there is actually something more? If you've been uh, with us at Portsmouth Church these last couple of weeks, you'll know that we're at the moment going through a series in the book of the Bible called Esther. Now, there are, of course, a lot of things that are quite different, aren't they, at the time of of Esther, and we've been reading through some of those, and we've found a few quite shocking things as we've been reading, but there are actually a few things in common as well, a few things that are similar to the world today, uh, which means that we can learn from their situation. Just like Esther and Mordecai in the story, we too live in a world that doesn't acknowledge or often mention God. You know, most of the time when we hear the name Jesus, it's actually because people are swearing, isn't it? You know, like Esther, we live in a world where saying that you are a believer in Jesus isn't the norm. And at times it can be uncomfortable. Have you ever felt that at school or at work? That you feel a bit unnumbered, outnumbered? And no one else believes in Jesus? Does that feel uncomfortable? Do you feel sometimes like you're the only person that follows Jesus at school or at work? We live in a world where following Jesus isn't the norm. And we've seen already in the story, haven't we, that Esther 
needed to keep her identity secret for a bit. So, what has happened so far? Let's have a quick recap, shall we? There was once a very powerful king called Xerxes. To show off his glory, he held a big banquet over a few days. On the seventh day of the banquet, he invited his queen, Vashti, to come. He wanted to show her off, but she refused to come. So King Xerxes was very angry and set about finding a new queen to replace her. Esther was chosen to become the new queen because she was very beautiful. Esther was a Jew, part of God's people. One day, Mordecai, Esther's cousin, overheard a plot to kill the king. Mordecai told Esther so that she could warn the king. The king promoted a greedy man called Haman to the most important man in the kingdom. Everyone was meant to bow to him, but Mordecai refused. Haman was very angry about this and wanted to kill not just Mordecai, but all the Jews. Haman proposed this idea to King Xerxes, who agreed and passed a law to kill all the Jews. The Jews were very worried. Mordecai told Esther about this new law and asked her to go into the king's presence. This was a dangerous thing to do, as she might be killed. But Esther agreed to go, and she went to see the king. The king spared Esther's life, so she invited him and Haman to a banquet. At this banquet, rather than explaining what she wanted, Esther asked Haman and the king, Xerxes, to come back to another banquet the next day. Haman was still very angry with Mordecai, so his friends and family suggested that he should erect a pole to impale Mordecai on it. go to be continued. <laughs> um, yes, so we're going to, yeah, we'll be looking at the next um, in that series. Um, as has already been mentioned quite a bit in this series, Book of Esther's a bit unique, isn't it? Can you remember why? God isn't actually mentioned even once. But you've probably already noticed by now that that doesn't mean God isn't in the story. The author of the book of Esther hints at God's involvement on every page. You've probably noticed there are a huge number of coincidences that happen in the story. You know, Chris mentioned them last week, didn't he? Well, first of all, it's really helpful and, and, um, and, yeah, that Esther is amazingly beautiful. That's very helpful for this story. But then also, she just happens to be chosen among all of the beautiful women to be um, the king's queen. Then um, Mordecai just happens to be at the right place to hear the plot against the king. Well, that's quite helpful as well. And then Esther just happens to be in this position where she's able to relay that message to the king, to do something about it. That's quite a good coincidence, isn't it? And we will see again in the passage that we read today another few really big coincidences. And that's because actually God is controlling, orchestrating, and directing the story. Although God isn't mentioned by name, the author is inferring God's involvement throughout the story. 
We also might have noticed that the author likes humor uh, and irony in the way that he or she writes. One of the big ironies is actually that King Xerxes, he thinks he is all-powerful and he has this big banquet, do you remember the one at the start, that lasted seven days and he wants to display his power. But as the more we're reading the story, we're noticing that actually he's a bit of a puppet, isn't he? And actually he can be really easily manipulated. On the other hand, as we've said, God isn't even mentioned and yet we're already getting the sense that he's the one in control, he's the one that's, that's doing stuff. Do you see that irony there? Great, let's read today's passage. I'm going to need a bit of help with... Oh, yeah, that's good. Great, I'm going to need a bit of help with today's passage. So, um, if you'd like to pull up your Bibles, it is page 505. And I've got some brilliant volunteers who are going to help me. So, uh, could we have... Oh, first of all, we need some more volunteers. If you're happy to be on the stream and you'd like to help me, would you like to hold one of my signs here? Who would like to be? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You can hold that one. There's two more. Who else would like to be involved? Great. Thank you. You'll notice that there's some um, great... You you want to hold? Brilliant. Thank you, girls. Um, There there are some great people in this story, but also some really bad people. And so um, we're going to be joining in with what's going on. So when we see someone that's great, do you want to hold... Lizzie, do you want to turn around and hold up that sign? Just turn around so everyone can see it. That that way. Yep. Brilliant. Everyone want to cheer? However, when there's someone really bad, we might want to... Do you want to show that one? If there's something really shocking, we might want to... You're very good at that. That's great. You might, yeah, you might need to come a little bit this way, if that's all right. Brilliant. Okay, let's read the story. Has everyone found it? Page 505. And it starts with a king. So can we have our king, please? Thank you, Josh. Now, that night... Our king, do you want to lie down on your bed? But unfortunately, that night the king couldn't sleep. So you're tossing and turning. Just something's keeping him awake. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, um, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. Would someone like to read him some stuff? Anyone also happy to be... Naomi, you're happy to read. We don't, don't really read it, please. <laughs> but if you could be reading to King Joshua here some things that are going on that have happened in his reign. Very good, thank you. It was found, recorded, that Mordecai... Now, I think he deserves a cheer. Lizzie, would you mind holding up hooray for us? Yep, ready? Mordecai, whoa! Had exposed Big Nutha and... Teresh, two of the king's officials who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate the king. Remember, that was in the recap. So the king asks, what honor, so you asked Naomi, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him at all, the attendants answered. Hmm. The king said, who is in the court now? A man had just entered the court. Do you like to stand? So we've got a gate here. I'm not closing it because it's probably a via fire risk. But if you would just like to stand and start coming into the guest. And now this is Mordecai. So I think we want this sign, please. His attendant answered, 
Haman is standing in the courts. So the king says, you're probably sitting up at this point, I reckon. Uh, Bring him in, the king ordered. Let's give him another boo, shall we? There we go. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now, Haman, you know, he is power hungry, isn't he? So he's busy thinking, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with the royal crest on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let the let them robe the king, the let, sorry, let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this, pardon me, is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Can you see what he's requesting there? He wants glory and honor, doesn't he? Right, so the king says, go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe. We probably need a robe. Let's go and find a robe, shall we? Here we go. Level do. We've got a robe. Get the horse and the, and the horse. Okay, we've got a horse over here. And do just as you have suggested for Mordecai. Oh, let's have a gasp. Let's have a gasp. We have to huff. Mordecai, the Jew, who sits... Oh, he's supposed to be sitting at the king's gate. Sorry, I forgot that. Mordecai. Can we have a cheer for Mordecai, please? Can you sit at the king's gate? There we go. Who sits at the king's gate? Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So we do have to make sure we've got it all right. So we've got the robe, we've got the horse, but also, do you remember, and he specifically asked not to forget anything, the horse is supposed to have... Is it the horse that got the crest, or is it the robe that's got the crest? I think it's the horse. It's the horse. So let's stick the royal crest on the horse. Okay, now you have to be very careful with the horse, otherwise I'll be in big trouble with my daughter, okay? <laughs> so, there we go. Great. Now, um, yes, uh, Haman, I'm going to get those two names mixed up, and it's really important I don't, isn't it? Um, please, would you do that to Mordecai? So, they're going to walk up and down. Just think how humiliating. I'm not hearing you shout that thing that you're meant to be shouting. This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. (laughs) Brilliant, thank you. Afterwards, Mordecai returns to the king's gate. So that's where you need to go. But Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief. Oh, my days. Can you... Well, no, 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 you're supposed to spit and fill. <laughs> and actually, it's good that he's gone over here because this is the pole next to your home that you have erected. So, <laughs> you've, you've, you've... <laughs> so yes, we'll get to that a bit later. <laughs> no, it's already said. It's in the previous passage. Um, so, oh yeah, so, so um, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Jeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife, Jeresh, said to him, Since Mordecai 
since Mordecai, before whom you ha- your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. Hmm, interesting. You will surely come to ruin. Ooh. While they were still t- talking with him, the king's eunuch arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. So now it's time for the banquet. Right, so who's at the banquet? We have got Haman. We have got... Oh, are you ready? Give a big cheer for Esther. Who is looking amazing. Brilliant. Time for the banquet. King, this is your big moment. So uh, let's have Haman sitting there and the, the, two, the king and the queen sitting together on there. Now, I think it would be good, Josh, if you sit there and you sit there, Esther. You'll see why a bit later. Great. So I hope that you're enjoying the banquet because um, we don't have much to drink, but it's fine. Where have we got to? Where's the banquet? The banquet that Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked Esther, What is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If it had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. But no, such distress would justify No such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is it? Where is he, the man who has has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, An adversary, an enemy, the vile king. uh, Sorry, the vile Haman. Gasp is probably is a good one. You could probably boo and gasp at the same time. Yeah, gasp is actually even better, I think. Brilliant. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage. Please don't smash the glass. <laughs> suddenly thought this is going to go wrong, isn't it? You can, put, you can put the glass there. Now you can be really cross. That's it, that's it, that's it, right. And left his wine and went out into the palace garden. I know that's near Hammond's house, but we can pretend it's the garden as well. So if you storm off, storm off, there you go. Uh, Left his wine and went out to the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. And you're sort of kind of falling on on the sofa. Ish, sort of, yeah that's, yeah, that's what's going on. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch, yeah, in you come, where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, a pole reaching to a height of, no, not quite, 50 cubit stands by Haman's house. He had set it up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, impale him on it. 
And I think because we're live on YouTube and it's against their terms and conditions, we're not going to reenact this bit. (laughs) (laughs) So they impaled, just trust me, imagine it, they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Great, you can grab your seats. So, thank you very much, guys. Give them a round of applause. So, there are three things that I would like to point out that we can learn from this passage today. Well, firstly, as we've already mentioned, God is at work. God has been quietly at work, orchestrating and directing the story. We've seen throughout the story of the book of Esther a series of quite incredible coincidences. And we had a few more today. Did you spot them? The king just happened that very night to not be able to sleep. And then it just happened, when the attendants were reading, it just happened to be the the plot of Mordecai's heroics when he was reading that book. That's all very fortunate. And although God isn't mentioned in the story of Esther, God is the hero of the story of Esther. The apparent hiddenness of God does not mean the absence of God. The apparent hiddenness of God does not mean the absence of God. In the book of Romans, in the Bible, we re- uh, in chapter 8, we read that God works for the good of those who love him. That is quite remarkable, really. I mean, I know we're familiar with that passage, but that is really quite remarkable. The one who we've said already this morning is orchestrating, directing Things is working for our good. The one in control is working for our good. I know that Luke and Steph have certainly known this to be true in their lives. If we love God and God is working for us, sorry, if we love God, God is working for us. If we stop to think about it, that is really quite remarkable and exciting. I must confess I struggle sometimes to to believe it. It's quite remarkable. God is working things out for me and for you. So that's the first thing. Secondly, that doesn't negate our responsibility. We see throughout the book of Esther that both Mordecai and Esther, they take initiatives, they act, don't they? They take, at times, courage and resolve to do things. Esther had to take the courage to go and see the king and then to organize the banquets and risk her life doing so. God's providence, it's a fancy word, it means God being in control. God's providence does not negate the responsibility of people to act with courage and resolve when the circumstances resolve it, require it, sorry. We see in the book of Esther, God's people initiating combined with God's divine providence. And lastly, we see a glimpse in this story that ultimately things will be put right. What we like about the story of Esther is that the wicked are punished and the heroes are saved. It's the way that most of our favorite fictional stories are written, but it's also God's big plan for the world too. Ultimately, God has a plan to put things right. We read in the book of Revelations, which is the book at the very end of the Bible, in chapter 21, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The story of Esther gives us that little glimpse about that. 
It shows us God's hatred of the wicked and his love for his people. We see what happened to Haman. The, ultim- the, the wicked ultimately won't triumph. They might know joy and success for a while. We saw that Haman was uh, promoted and, and, and seemed to be doing well. But God punishes the wicked. And we also see that God looks after and protects his people. He did not let the destruction come upon them in the story of Esther. And he protected Mordecai and Esther. Okay, so what does that mean that we can do about it today? What does that mean for us today? Well, firstly, I think it's greatly encouraging. God is at work today, much as he was in Esther's time. We're not always very good at seeing it, are we? We often attribute great things to just happy coincidences or even luck, rather than seeing that God is at work in our lives. Let's not be blind. Let's not be blind to God's work in our lives. Let's see when God is doing things. Let's be part of it. Let's have eyes to see what God is doing. And let's thank God for what God is doing in our lives. Secondly, prayer. Now, as Chris already mentioned, prayer isn't mentioned either. But with the author's, so with the author's insistence on not mentioning God, prayer isn't mentioned although fasting, um, which goes hand in hand with prayer, is mentioned. But you can imagine that as two God-fearing Jews, who it's, you know, Esther and Mordecai, it's pretty safe to assume that given the situation they would be in, they would have been giving the situation to God in prayer. Prayer is our way of communicating and sharing the things that are important to us with the God who we've already mentioned is the one that's controlling, orchestrating, and directing things for us. That's a pretty, pretty amazing thing about prayer, isn't it? We've seen how much God is in control, even in this story where he's not mentioned. And we have a direct way to petition this God who is orchestrating and directing things. What does that mean for our prayer lives, those of us that pray? Well, how do we view prayer? Is prayer something that gets skipped or squeezed out if we don't have time? You've got a busy schedule... I just won't have time to pray today. I know that can be the case for me. Ardell challenged us about prayer last week, didn't he? The importance of meeting together at a heartbeat. Do we stop praying when we're too busy? The missionary and founder of OM, George Verwell, said this about prayer. When I have too much to do, rather than skipping prayer, I wake up earlier to pray more. There's more that needs prayer. Is that our view on prayer? The more that's going on, the more that maybe we're stressed, the more we've got going on at work, the more things things are busy. Actually, that doesn't mean prayer should get squeezed out. It means prayer should be squeezed in. It means that there's more to pray about. Yeah? If we believe that God is the one orchestrating things for our good, prayer should increase when things get busy. So let's not skip prayer when we're busy. And lastly, I just want to touch on who God is and the kind of God that we're talking about here. Often God is presented as quite a mean and self-serving God who just wants people to follow and order around and do what he wants. A bit like a sort of slave driver or, or something like that. And being a Christian following that kind of God would be terribly dull. 
if it's just about the rules and the things we can't do, that's not fun, is it? And if you're here this morning and, and you're not a believer, and that's your impression of God, then I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to follow that kind of God either. But hopefully this morning has given you a bit of a glimpse of who God is. Who is this God that we talk about? We often refer to God as our Father. And that's because we can have that intimate relationship with God. A God, as we've said, who is quietly orchestrating and directing things for our good. That's the God we believe in. That's the God I want to know. That's the God I love. And you can know God, that God too. He longs for you to know him. So if this morning you have questions about that or you'd like to know more, like, yeah, feel free to chat to me or Peter or Luke and Steph or any of the people you've seen up on the platform or the person next to you because we are excited about this God, this God who wants to know us, and so we'd love for you to know God too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the book of Esther. Thank you for what we can see about you in this book. Thank you for how you were at work, how you were orchestrating, how you were directing things quietly for your people. Father, thank you that you are at work today as well. Open our eyes. We don't want to be blind to not see what you are doing. We want to see it. We want to thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We want to be people who are excited about prayer as well as our opportunity to petition, to speak to you about the things that are on our hearts that we're worried about. Thank you for the joy of knowing you. Amen.